Are you ready to get real? Hello, and welcome to Real with MoxieWorks, where we discuss real estate news, tips, and of course, technology. Well, hello and welcome everyone to uh, a fireside chat with uh, someone who's seen a few movies along their career, Jeff Detweiler, CEO of Long & Foster. Welcome welcome to our, our little podcast here, Jeff. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be part of it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate your taking time, especially with all of what's going on right now. Um, and I, I see that you're you're suited up and, and you're in an office setting. Um, as, as the audience can see, or maybe can't see, if you, if you only have audio, uh, I'm in my, my home office here. We, we at Moxie are not deemed essential as a software company. We're all working from home and, and do so as a software company with uninterrupted service. But Jeff, you are essential, I, I believe, at least where you are. So maybe you can just start off with explaining kind of what the current situation is in your, your guys' footprint. Yeah. So, uh, as you know, we're in seven states in the District of Columbia, really in the mid-Atlantic. And in all seven or in all but one state, uh, real estate is deemed essential. And so we are able to go out and operate as realtors, but in an entirely different set of protocols and things like that. So uh, we spent a lot of time and went through an exhaustive set of protocols for how we would conduct our business. Uh, as a realtor with a customer in terms of showing houses and negotiating, things like that. Everything we do, we try to do it virtually. Uh, but if there is an interaction that is required in order to move forward uh, in the in the process, uh, we do it in a way that we feel is probably safer than it is when you go to the grocery store. So, uh, you know, we've got a long list of things. Our agent never travels with a customer in the same car. They're always in separate vehicles if they're going to a showing. Uh, the seller knows exactly how to leave their house in terms of lighting and doors and, and access and things like that. Uh, the 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 person looking at the property is instructed to not touch anything. And then it's full scrub down and things like that uh, afterwards. And so, like I said, I, I think that if you follow our protocols, uh, you are probably safer than you are when you go to the grocery store uh, and there aren't these same kind of protocols there. Um, yeah. I would also say that is important, you know, at Long & Foster, we've got eight different businesses. Uh, we are also a very large uh, mortgage banker and mortgage banking is part of the banking infrastructure and it's deemed essential everywhere. Uh, and then the closing aspect, settlement services or title, that's also deemed essential. We have, uh, we have a big um, set of businesses in that arena. We're also in property management. So we have 5,500 properties that we're managing, taking care of tenants and properties that's been deemed essential also. So there's quite a few things that we do. Uh, that being said, that kind of allows me to come into the office. Uh, I just, I need my routine every day and uh, I got to stick with that. And so, uh, you know, I do the same thing. Yeah, I'm in a suit and tie every single day and I'm one of one of maybe six people in uh, a pretty big building here uh, near Dulles Airport. And so we never see each other, uh, but uh, I just have to keep my kind of routines as I go forth every day. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that. And we're, as a software company, of course, we're in a, in a bit of a different mode, but you're right, a routine and, and some sense of, 
of self and normalcy is crucial in times like this. But, you know, Jeff, it's interesting, your description there. Uh, and by the way, personally, I agree with you. There's a lot that can be done to make things safe besides just everybody sheltering entirely at home. And for essential services like yours, that's obviously a, a key part of keeping the ball moving. My question to you is this, though. Uh, at time, uh, communication is always important, but at times like this, it becomes crucially important. And you have uh, a very complex, far-flung network with hundreds of offices and many thousands of agents, and then the other businesses you mentioned. So how have you approached the, communi the internal communication challenge with, with agents and, and staff and managers to, to affect the kind of stuff that you just described? Yeah. Well, you and I have talked about this a lot. You know, basically, we're doing everything we can possibly think of. Uh, as you're aware, but maybe for the audience uh, edification, you know, we've got 225 real estate offices across seven states in the District of Columbia. You know, we've got 10,000 agents. It's one of our greatest strengths as a company, but it's also one of our greatest challenges. You know, how do you possibly stay connected? And, and we wrestle with that every single day historically. Now, all of a sudden, we're in this even more distributed environment than we already were in, where our agents aren't allowed into the office and they have no continuity of a branch manager meeting with them in a physical location every day. So, you know, we're doing absolutely everything we can. And if there is a silver lining to this whole uh catastrophe that we're going through right now is that uh, for us is we're, we're really learning uh, a lot about how to stay better connected. So, you know, we continue to use the traditional communications, uh, those channels in terms of, you know, the top of the house makes decisions, uh, set strategy, shares it, say, with our regional managers out in the field, our regional managers share it with the branch managers, branch managers share it with agents, and then we take feedback in the same sort of way. But, you know, we're doing that every day. Each group has meetings every single day. Those meetings might be over the phone, They uh, using a lot of Zoom. Obviously, we continue to leverage email, lots and lots of phone calls. Um, the uh, uh, you know, we've got a bunch of internally branded uh, marketing uh, for our internal communications. We are hitting that as hard as we ever have. Uh, more videos. Uh, we're doing Facebook live sessions. We're leveraging blogs more than we have uh, in the past, uh, particularly internally to commu uh, communicate to our agents. Uh, we're doing a lot of online training sessions and um, we're leveraging Moxie and uh, Moxie Present and populating it with templates that are really sending the message and establishing the protocols that we need to uh, on behalf of our agents. Great, yeah, that's, you're right. It's a, it's a forever challenge. It's a challenge in our company and with 130, I can imagine what it's like with thousands in your world. So Jeff, one, one follow-up question that, uh, thank you for mentioning Moxie, I'm curious, uh, whether it's Moxie or not, you've been a big fan of the use of a sales discipline yeah. and, and how that can help an agent uh, communicate in a, in a, in a constant and, and progressive way with, with the sphere of influence they have, the people that know, like, and trust them. What are you doing to encourage that right now, maybe in some of these trainings and other communications that you have? What we're finding is that... Um, we are feeling forced 
into being even more definitive and structured in our communications and our guidance to our agents. So being obviously we're, we're operating in an entirely different landscape in everything all of us do, uh, but then specifically within conducting the real estate business and in a way that, you know, it's swimming upstream. And um, and so what we're doing is we're providing very definitive definitive advice to our agents. Um, do this on this day or do this two hours every day. Do this two days a week, whatever that is. We're getting very specific and trying to keep them engaged. Uh, one of my greatest fears is during this point, uh, during this stay-at-home time, where we're all trying to protect ourselves and each other from, you know, the physical dangers of this virus, is the fatigue that I think starts to set in and take toll on everybody in whatever business you are. And when I say fatigue, I just I think it's just going to start to wear on people, and and they start um, with the I don't I, I don't care attitude. Uh, just because they're feeling fatigued. And I think it's incumbent upon us as leaders uh, in our business to try to keep our agents uh, engaged, connected, focused, and being um, continuing to serve their customers. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. And that, that really folds into the next topic of conversation, which is leadership, really at all levels. But, but I think it's hardest at the top. You and I have talked over the years about uh, the pressures that leaders face. And and uh, I, I'm just curious, uh, while I agree with what you said, what are you doing and what recommendations or, or support would you offer your peers uh, in how to think about that leadership that you just described on a day-to-day basis? All of us have to get up in the morning and do something in that category. So what, what uh, you know, thoughts and words of wisdom, if you will, would you have for your peers? Yeah, so it's going to be different for everybody because of the size and scope of your operation. You know, some some um, brokers have uh, an ability to connect much more directly with their agents because of the scope of their operations. Some have less. You know, I, I am I've got the advantage of having what I think is the best management team in the entire country. I couldn't be prouder of my guys. I always have been, and I say guys in a non-gender specific way, Uh, but my team, I couldn't be prouder of them. They they have done uh, an awesome job, every single one of them stepping up and doing even better. So, you know, my job, uh, one of the simple things that I do every day is, you know, I gotta keep these guys, I gotta keep them pumped up. I gotta keep them, feeling good about what they're doing. And and uh, so I, I do the things first and foremost. Uh, I try to keep a longer term perspective on this whole crisis that we're in. And I try to share that with my team. You know, th- this too shall pass. Um, uh, this is my eighth financial crisis. This is a medical crisis uh, and a financial crisis in the midst of a medical crisis. We're going to pass through the medical phase of this, and we are going to be thoroughly engrossed in a financial crisis. And uh, this is my eighth financial crisis, York, uh, (laughs) in my illustrious career, starting with uh, Black Monday back in October of 1987. I had just recently got my first trading position in fixed income about uh, one month before. And uh, so it followed through in the 90s with – 
every one of them has its moniker, if you will. You know, the the, the Russian financial crisis, the Asian contagion uh, into the uh, dot-com bubble, you know, then the mother of all financial crises until now is uh, 2008 <laughs> 2009. So, I try to bring a longer-term perspective to to my team and my company uh, that we have to break this thing down into phases, if you will. And the way we think about it is that there's three phases to to this crisis we're managing through. There's the very scary and most difficult part right now, which I'll call the deterioration phase. That's just it, the market is deteriorating. Uh, the uh, health situation is deteriorating and the financial crisis is deteriorating in front of us. And we've got certain things that we got to focus on and do in that phase. We're then going to move into this trough phase, trough. And that is once we've deteriorated to whatever level it is, we're going to be in the trough for some period of time. And we don't know exactly how long that's going to be. And that's where I'm afraid of this fatigue setting in, setting in for my people, setting in for customers, setting in for everybody. And so we're going to have to manage a different way through that. And then there's the recovery period. And uh, I think we all can't wait to get to the recovery period. But the question will be is how long does recovery take and to what level do we recover up to? Uh, And you have to manage differently through that. So uh, I think those are how we think about it. Uh, Got to maintain a routine. As I said, just jokingly, I get up, I put I put a suit on, I put a tie on every day. I walk to the garage, I drive alone to work, I come to work, I get in my office. I'm pretty much alone here, but uh, I go into the bathroom and look in the mirror every once in a while just to see how my tie looks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, kidding, but trying. I do. I I gotta. I have. I have. We uh, we've got the same meetings at the same time every day, and we just are working our routine uh, to the best of our ability. Obviously, you never know what you're going to have to deal with each day, so you have to have some ability to imp- improvise. But uh, we're working our uh, our routine, and um, then uh, I, I would say what's of critical importance is that. You know, for you individually as a leader uh, of your firm, you got to find whatever it is that de-stresses you, whatever that is. Is if it's reading a book, if it's if it's outside taking a walk. Uh, uh, for me, it's exercise. And so, like, I just have to do that every single day to kind of clear my head uh, so that I can re-engage and kind of rejuvenate and come back and do all the things I got to do tomorrow. Yeah, I, well said on that whole thing, Jeff. Uh, on that last point, uh, I could not agree more. Those those that know me know I'm a big motorcycle rider. For me, that's my outlet. And, you know, I'm inherently social distanced. I am <laughs> wearing a helmet so and very natural to you. Yeah, exactly. But, but I could not agree more because we as leaders, we're trying, as you said, it's our job to radiate energy, optimism, a long-term view. This too shall pass. All those things you said, which, by the way, I personally agree with everything that you listed there. But, but that leads to the next question. So in addition to just de-stressing, um, what is it that we do to recharge ourselves besides de-stress? You know, where do we as leaders look for inspiration? Do you have any thoughts for for uh, your peers and the audience out there of of maybe what you do or some suggestions on how to think about recharging in that way? Well, I don't know how this is going to sound. I, I mean, 
I don't I don't have someone that I turn to for inspiration. Um, I, I think that, um, as I said, you know, this is I, I said it kind of uh, tongue in cheek. But, you know, this is my eighth financial crisis that I've gone through. Uh, and I've formally been in a more uh, financial only related role. So kind of the stresses and strains of that. Uh, and the intensity probably were even greater at, from a financial perspective in those. We didn't have the same kind of medical issues, but, uh, you know, I lived, I was working in New York and, and lived uh, right outside of New York in New Jersey uh, during 9-11 and during the anthrax scare. So there were safety issues that we were dealing with. I think I was on one of the very first planes that flew out of Newark Airport when they reopened the airports uh, after 9-11. So, you know, I, I've dealt with this stuff before. I really, I, I rely on my past experiences um, to give me confidence in terms of what we're trying to accomplish today. And um, I use, uh, I kind of use those past experiences to help me with my judgment and decisions now. Uh, I clearly have made uh, mistakes and wrong decisions at, during some of these crises in the past. And I'm hoping to not make those uh, mistakes again. And so I'm, I'm leaning on that. The other thing that might sound corny is, uh, so I like to read, I like to read history. And, um, you know, just George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, if you read, you know, definitively about every day what it was like, the things that they dealt with and tried to hold together was so much bigger and broader and more significant than anything any of us are doing, uh, even though every day it probably feels like this is, you know, th this is the absolutely penultimate of what could be bad. Um, and if you just continue to try to put it in perspective, I think that that helps. Yeah, again, well said. I, I, I tend to agree with you. And it actually leads me to to, to a further thought, though, which is, you know, you and I, um, in a different way, through my software career, I've seen lots of these ups and downs, including my own startup in the dot com dot bomb phase. So that, for for us, was pretty cataclysmic. Yeah. Uh, and so I think you're right. I think for those of us like you and I that have have been around a while, we've seen this. We can rely more on our our own experiences to, to get us through, but. You know, one of the things I'm trying to encourage, particularly those in the software world, in my case, that are younger in their careers and maybe more on the startup end, to seek out people like you and I that have seen the movie before. Um, so, you know, I appreciate your being as transparent as you as you have been here. And I think it is incumbent on those of us that are uh, leaders that have had more experience to help those maybe that for whom this is all very new um, to to navigate through it. So so thank you for that. So yeah. I, I guess in in summary, I know you're an action oriented guy, and just how you how you are. Um, are there three things maybe that you could leave the audience with that that come to mind? You know, short term things, actions that that can be taken now with regard to helping their agents through this and helping agents thrive. I think one of the things that's that's undervalued and under under uh, estimated here is the value of optimism. So yeah. what would you say about, you know, the three things that someone could do in the short term here to help as a leader? 
Yes, I think we've touched on them a, a little bit, but I would I'd break it down to the three things that I would come up with um, are really you got to stay connected with them and, and keep your agents focused. Uh, you got to keep them focused because otherwise they're going to fatigue and they're going to fall and it, it's not going to be good for them. It's not going to be good for uh their customers is not going to be good for anybody. So uh, in doing when you're staying connected and you're keeping them focused, I think that it's you do that by trying to diminish the fear that all of us have inside of us about this crisis that we're going through. The medical portion of it now, the financial portion of it, which is going to be overwhelming in the near future. Um, I think we need to try to eliminate uncertainty for our agents to the best of our ability and try to build their confidence up as they're doing. And so that's what happens really in the first thing. And, and it's all about attitude and trying to stay connected to them and keep them focused. Number two is we touched on it. I think you have to provide a really simple, definitive kind of to-do list. Here's what you got to do today. Here are the 10 things you need to do today. Here are the four things you need to do every week. However you see them in your brokerage, just break it down, be very clear and concise, and just keep it in front of your agents so that they don't fatigue and they stay active and they stay focused and they stay constructive. And then third thing is um, you had mentioned optimism. Um, I would agree with that. I think that um, what we all need to do is we really need to inspire our agents with the 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 real feeling of need. Um, and this may sound self-serving, but it, it's really not meant to be. Um, you know, in some of these, uh, in some of the states, there have been big movements with associations that have tried to get real estate that was deemed essential to be changed to non-essential. And I, I just can't understand why large groups of agents would want that to happen. Um, I've got my skeptical opinion of that. But the truth of it is, is that buying or selling a house is not just about I want another bathroom or I want to downsize and I'm going to move around the corner. It's about people who have leases that are ending and need to get into another rental unit. It's people who are who let their lease expire and they need to buy their first home. It's about people who have to move and go from here to there. It's about people who were in the middle of a transaction and they absolutely have to do something. And if there's nobody there to help them, they are in true need. And I think we have to instill that in our agents that there are customers out there that need you and your services. And I think on top of that, our country needs us. Now this, people may be rolling their heads, but if you think about this, once we get to the recovery period, the economic engine, priming the economic engine, there's nothing that has a greater impact on that than the real estate industry. There's so much downstream money that goes into our economy predicated on the the sale and purchase of a home. If we let that go dormant for the next 30, 60, 90 days, and then we have to try to start it all back up in three, in two, three months uh, from a standstill to something, 
our economy is going to suffer much greater. We have a responsibility to our economy, to our country, to keep the top of the funnel full with real estate transactions so that subsequent to the medical crisis and we move into the recovery period, we've got we've got transactions that are going to be generating uh, dollars into the economy downstream. And I think that's critically important for us. Amen. <laughs> uh, that, that is honestly very well said and passionately said, and I could not uh, agree more. We all we all do have a responsibility, not to our only to our agents, but ultimately to the consumer. Uh, so, yeah, well, well said, Jeff. Well, I really want to say thank you very much. Like I say, these things are, are deeply personal and for you to take the time and be as transparent as you've been. Uh, during a, a crisis period is is not lost on me and hopefully not lost on the audience as well. So uh, with that, on, on behalf of, of Moxie and, and um, our relationship, I, I want to say thank you for taking the time and I wish you and, and everyone at, at Long and Foster all the best uh, through this through this period. So thanks again, Jeff. Well, th thank you very much. I, I appreciate the opportunity to participate. Um, if any of the audience can take a little nugget of something that will help them tomorrow or the next day, or uh, you know, I'll, I'll feel rewarded. And so uh, I wish everybody the best. This is a, a tough time. This too shall pass. Uh, I hope everybody is healthy and safe. Uh, and uh, and we do need to try to stay focused and, and committed to what we do. So thanks very much. And thanks for what Moxie does for us, helping us through this and do the things that I've talked about are important to our organization and our agents. Of course, yeah, happy to help. And happy to help really anyone in the audience too, whether you're a customer or not, we are all in this together. So any perspectives that, that Moxie can help with, of course, we're, we're standing by. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Well, thank you. And with that, we're uh, signing off to you all. Uh, appreciate your time today. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for getting real with us. See you next time.